Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to my podcast, But First Pivot. I'm Danny, registered dietitian, certified sports dietitian, and CEO of Pivot Nutrition Coaching. I'm here to share my all foods fit approach and real life client success stories to inspire you to pivot away from all the fad diet nonsense and confusion. My goal is to simplify nutrition so you can enjoy foods you love like donuts and pizza and still achieve your health, performance, and body composition goals. Hey, hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode 34, Does Eating Fat Make You Fat? And the reason that we're going to talk about this today, I have Coach Sam with me. What's up, Sam? Hello. One of Coach Sam's clients reached out and asked a very mind-blowing question about fats a few weeks ago, and we're going to come back to that question later. But basically, the question was in different words, does eating fat make you fat? So we're going to dive into fats today. We're going to debunk some fat myths. But before we answer the question, does eating fat make you fat, Sam, I think we best give a little general education to our listeners on fats. What do you think? Absolutely. I think because of the low fat trend from the 90s, it's still lingering a little bit that people are avoiding fats or fearful of them. Yes, people are either avoiding fats or carbs. I feel as though the people avoiding fats are more 50 plus years old because the low fat trend or scare started, like you said, 1990s, 1980s ish. So people our age, like 30s, are more fearful of carbs, but people our parents' age, like 50s and 60s, are more scared of fats. So let's start by doing a little bit of education on fats. We're going to keep this short and sweet, but I think it's important to have a little background knowledge because that's going to help us understand should we be afraid of fats or not. So Sam, why don't you hit us with the three types of fats that make up fat molecules? Yeah, so there's going to be three different types, saturated monounsaturated and polyunsaturated. They're all necessary in our diet. We're going to talk about which ones we'd prefer you to have a little bit more frequently. But when we talk saturated fats, you're thinking like dairy and meats oftentimes. So things like cheese and ice creams and uh, steak and burgers. Um, You can also include uh, butter in there. And one that surprises people is coconut oil. And then you have your monounsaturated fats. And this is more of that Mediterranean style eating with olive oil and almonds and avocados. And then you have your polyunsaturated fats. And this is going to largely come from your uh, different types of fish. But you can also find it in some nuts and seeds such as walnuts and flax seeds. Yes. Love me some fats. They all sound good. And... One thing that we'll talk about later is that fats equal flavor. So as we're listing these, you might be like, these are all good things. Yes, because fat equals flavor. Now, when it comes to these different types of fats, the Dietary Guidelines for Americans recommends uh, getting less than 10% of total calories from saturated fat. Meanwhile, the American Heart Association, they're a tad more aggressive at the AHA, 
recommending we limit the saturated fats to no more than 7% of total calories. In the U.S., it's funny to go over this list. The biggest sources of saturated fat, one of the number one is pizza and cheese, which is, that's not my first thought when I think of where are people getting saturated fats. I usually think of like butter and it's pizza, which is very, very American. Other high saturated fat foods in the U.S. are whole and 2% dairy products. Meat products like sausage, bacon, beef, hamburgers, pastries like cookies, and some fast food dishes. But I want to quickly mention, let's talk about the pastries thing, because I feel like when people go on low-carb or keto diets, they think that they're losing all this weight because they're cutting out carbs, and they are cutting out carbs. But the the one, the reason people lose a lot of weight, especially at the beginning on low-carb and keto diets, is because they're in a calorie deficit, right? When you cut out a food group, chances are you're going to be in a calorie deficit. You just cut out a whole chunk of food, right? You cut out an entire food group. But what people don't realize is the reason they're in a pretty big calorie deficit on keto or low carb is because when you cut out carbs, you're cutting out so much fat. Think about some of the things we just listed. Pizza, pastries, cookies, burgers, dairy, all of these things are carbs but that have a lot of fat. So one of the main reasons people do lose a lot of weight, low carb or keto, it's not because they're avoiding carbs. It's because they're in a huge calorie deficit from all the fat that was in these carbs and specifically saturated fats. Yeah, definitely. Like you said, a lot of times we might hear something like, yeah, if I just cut out the sugar, I lose weight. And what they mean by that is they're reducing their intake of ice cream and cookies and candies. And those are largely a big source of saturated fat as well. Um, So sugar often gets demonized, which those foods do have a lot of sugar in them as well, but it, it gets overlooked the amount of fat that is also consumed, which as we'll talk about in a second, has a larger um, caloric intake than the carbohydrates. Exactly. And this will all make sense when we do math in a hot minute. (laughs) But that was a little sidestep on the saturated fats. I thought that was very, very important to mention because like you said, it is overlooked. Now let's talk about the omega-3s, and the omega-6 fats. What's the deal with those? Where can we find them? Which one do we need more of? Yeah, so omega-3 and omega-6 fats are what we consider the polyunsaturated fats. In the U.S., we typically consume a lot of the omega-6 fats and not enough of the omega-3 fats. The omega-3 fats are the ones we want to be consuming most regularly because they play a key role in inflammation, um, brain health, and development. So there's a lot of good benefits. Unfortunately, the places that we get those omega-3 fats aren't popular places that people tend to eat in their diet multiple times a week. And that one being fish that I talked about earlier, it's recommended to have fish two to three times per week. 
And most Americans just aren't doing that. So we are lacking that omega-3 in the diet pretty regularly. And this is where we might recommend an omega-3 supplement if you are allergic to seafood or you really, really don't have a preference for it. Yeah, for sure. In the Midwest, so as many of you know, I'm in North Dakota, and this is meat country, like beef country. There is no fresh salmon swimming in streams. There's barely a stream here. So when we talk to Midwest clients about fatty fish, it's often not realistic because it's not local. So for people in the Midwest often to buy fatty fish, it's way more expensive than you if you live on the West or the East Coast where you can get it from down the street. So oftentimes I feel like I'm recommending more omega-3 supplements to people in the Midwest versus people that live in Vermont or in Maine. Or we had a few clients in Alaska and they're like, I'll send you some salmon. But one of the best things you can do, like Sam said, to get your omega-3s in through diet, if you don't want to take a supplement, is to eat fatty fish like salmon, herring, mackerel, anchovies, sardines, two to three times a week or 12 ounces. So if you have it twice and it's six ounces, for example, one of my clients hates cooking fish, like hates it, but she goes out to eat two to three times a week. I'm like, all right, let's try to get salmon in one to two times. She's like, perfect. Now I know what I get at the restaurant. So her thing, she goes out two to three times a week. The compromise is that she gets salmon at least once, but usually twice out of those two to three times. And then at home, she's going to cook more things like chicken and beef, but she like has this like phobia of cooking fish. And I know some people, it's just the smell, like they like it, but it just smells really bad. I hear that a lot of, well, I don't want to bring it to the office because it's going to stick it up. And unfortunately, it just is what it is. You can make salmon salad instead, you know, make, you know, use canned salmon and uh, make it sort of like you would make like a chicken salad and it has much less of a strong odor. <laughs> you make a good point. So let's say that you don't want to cook salmon or you have no idea how to cook it. Personally, I'm an air fryer salmon kind of girl because I often eat alone and I don't want to preheat my oven for 10 minutes and then put my salmon in there for 16 to 20 minutes. Now this is turning into like a 40 minute process just to have one salmon filet. So air fryer salmon is the best thing that ever happened. If it's thawed, drizzle it, cover it with a little olive oil, salt, pepper, a squeeze of lemon, sprinkle some dill. 10 minutes at 400. Boom. Now I have in 10 minutes my little individual filet so much easier. But from a budget-friendly standpoint, when it comes to salmon, I feel like we're talking a lot about salmon, but so important, <laughs> those little salmon packets at the grocery store. So most of you have probably seen the tuna pouches, which are just as great. Um, a little bit less omega-3s in the tuna pouches. But salmon, you can get salmon pouches of wild-caught salmon, and I think it's 15 grams of protein per packet. So you can easily just rip two of those. I actually like to mix it with avocado, like mash it with avocado. Now we have all the healthy fats and we're set. Costco <laughs> also has like a very good canned salmon and they're already budget friendly, um, but it's really, really flavorful and it's not too fishy if that, if you steer clear of fish because of that reason. 
Yes. And to get rid of that fishy taste, I feel like if you go to the restaurant and you get like a honey glazed salmon or a miso salmon, then it just tastes sweet instead of fishy. And what I recommend to my clients who have never had salmon or maybe they haven't had it in a long time and they're like, I don't know if I like it. Try it somewhere where someone knows how to cook it. Like there's Absolutely. a salmon in Grand Forks at a restaurant. I love the glaze, the honey glazed salmon at Helix. It's a local restaurant in Grand Forks. And when people in the area are like, I don't know if I like salmon. Well, let the pros do cook it for you. <laughs> don't try this on your own the first time. Like l- let it taste good first and then try it on your own. Then throw it in the air fryer. But it always tastes better when a chef makes it. So let's try that. If you've never had salmon before, let someone else cook it for you. Let's talk about trans fats. That's one we haven't mentioned yet. What about, what's the deal with these? So trans fats, also called partially partially hydrogenated vegetable oil, that's what you might see on like the ingredient label. So if you're looking at the ingredients, you might see partially hydrogenated oils. These are found in fried foods, margarine, pastries, and just your highly, highly processed snacky foods. Um, These have shown to have an increased risk of cardiovascular disease. So we do limit these. We also are just as a uh, society reducing the amount of trans fats that they they are adding to products as it is. So I think as we go forward, I think it will be, you know, null and void that you'll even find them in there, but just something to be aware of. Yeah, companies are not really putting a lot of trans fats in products because people are like, no, these are bad. We shouldn't eat these. That's one thing that people do know. So I feel like it's very, very rare that you will see trans fats besides margarine. I feel like margarine is like the one food that people do still buy that has those trans fats. And honestly, I'm more of like a butter fan. Like just have real butter. Kerrygold is a great brand. Just have real butter and don't use a half cup you know, (laughs) moderation portions. So that's a little bit background on the different types of fat. Now let's talk about why fats are important. And I had to have this conversation yesterday with one of my 15 year old athletes, because surprisingly, he was a little fearful of fats. He thought, you know, until yesterday, that eating fats would make him fat. And this actually happened about a month ago when I gave a presentation at a hockey camp and I was just talking about food groups with the kids. These are middle school and high school ages. And we talked about what protein does for you and what carbs do. And they were all like, yeah, carbs give energy and protein helps build muscle. And when I'm like, what do fats do? And one kid from the back yelled, fats make you fat. And I'm like, this is really heartbreaking that these kids at the hockey camp and my athlete yesterday is like terrified of eating regular peanut butter because it has real fat in it. So let's dive into a few of the reasons that we want to include fats in the diet. I'm going to go over just like two to three of my favorite bullet points of why. One of my favorite is hormone production. We talk a lot about hormones just with the clientele that we have going through premenopause, menopause. I uh, specialize in PCOS, so it's something I talk about with my clients a lot. So it's so essential to have fats to 
promote hormone production. So if you're eating a really, really low fat diet, your body's not going to be able to make those hormones properly. Uh, my second favorite is the absorption of some vitamins. So we have vitamins that are literally called fat soluble vitamins. And they're called that because they only get absorbed if you eat enough fat with that meal or in your diet in general. And that is vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin E, and vitamin K. So these vitamins are not getting absorbed if we're not eating enough fat in the diet. So it's important to make sure you're having a little bit of fat at every meal. And then my next favorite one, I guess I would say, is that it can help improve blood lipid panels. So if you're experiencing high cholesterol, high triglycerides, the old recommendation was just reduce your overall fat intake. And now we're finding it's don't reduce your overall fat intake necessarily, reduce your saturated and trans fat intake and increase your unsaturated or the omega-3 fats in your diet. And that will help alleviate a little bit of that uh, high cholesterol, high triglyceride. Yeah, definitely. Love all these points. And with the the one you mentioned on the fat-soluble vitamins, that's one of my number one concerns when people tell me that they avoid fat or follow a very low-fat diet is that my first thought is, do they have a deficiency in vitamin A, D, E, or K? Vitamin D is already a vitamin that at least 48% of Americans are deficient in, especially up north. Canada, North Dakota, Minnesota, those northern states, we're already deficient in vitamin D. So if we're avoiding fats, now we're already deficient. Now we're not even absorbing it. And I feel like vitamin D is one of those popular supplements that people take, especially in winter months. So if you do take vitamin D, don't just take it whenever. You want to take vitamin D supplements or any fat-soluble vitamins like A, D, and K. You want to take those with a meal that contain fat so that you can actually absorb it. What's the point of spending money on supplements and taking them if you're not absorbing them? So make sure you take those with fats. Two of them that all mention being a sports dietitian. One, fats help fuel lower intensity and endurance exercise. So when we're performing at a high intensity, we are mostly utilizing carbs for fuel. But when it's a lower intensity or when we start to focus on endurance training or competition, the body relies more on fat. So fats are extremely important to have in the diet. So that's the the sports nutrition side of things. And I already mentioned fat equals flavor. Some oftentimes when something tastes really good, it's because it has fats and that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing that things taste good because they have fats. And in the episode a few weeks ago on how to build a balanced meal, one thing I mentioned is that you often don't have to make a lot of effort to include fats in general. Usually they find their way into a meal because fat is flavor. So we add fats to flavor food, like we sprinkle cheese, we add salad dressing, we cook with oil. Omega-3 fats, we might have to make a little effort to include these, like walnuts, flax seeds, and fatty fish, but fats in general usually find their way into a meal 
by adding flavor. I think one of the most popular examples is adding peanut butter to just about anything. Peanut butter in toast, peanut butter in oatmeal, peanut butter in smoothies. So I can attest to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm I would do very poorly with a peanut allergy. That would probably pe- peanut allergy or dairy. I don't know. That's they're both really hard, but I don't know if I could live without peanut butter. Um and then the last benefit which some people might say that that's it's not a benefit it actually makes their life more challenging is that fat is a large energy source so what this means is you get more calories in a smaller amount of food sam do you want to dive into what that means yeah so when you when we are talking about the three macronutrients carbohydrates and protein provide us 4 calories per gram so if you ate 1 gram of toast, you would get four calories, but fat provides nine calories per gram. So one gram of something that's rich in fat is going to provide more than double the amount of calories for the same serving. So this can be interpreted as a bad thing. And there are ways that we can guide you through this so that you can build a balanced meal accordingly, but it does, it, it is something to be aware of. So using an example of volume, if you have a tablespoon of olive oil, that's going to be 120 calories. You could eat four to five cups of broccoli for the same amount of calories. And when you use a tablespoon of olive oil while you're cooking, it's not adding any volume. It's just adding some flavor. So it's just important to recognize where you're getting those fat sources If you're working on staying at a maintenance or working in a fat loss phase, you just want to be aware and knowledgeable of these things so that you can build a balanced meal accordingly. Definitely. I think the key word is awareness with the fats. Carbs and protein, four calories per gram. Fats add up much quicker. So if you eat a lot of foods in your diet, that are fats, whether they're healthy or not, it's going to add up very quickly, which is not a bad thing. This is very helpful for people that aren't eating enough, for my athletes that need to put on weight. The, the athlete I was mentioning that asked me about fats yesterday, he's trying to put on 15 to 20 pounds. I was like, all right, buddy, let's bump up those fats because it's really hard to get enough calories when you're not eating fats because there's so much volume that you have to eat. Whereas trail mix, for example, which is mostly nuts and seeds, those are fats. So you can get six to 800 calories in one cup of trail mix. I would have to eat a lot of carbs and protein to get six to 800 calories, and I'd probably be extremely full. But I could easily crush a cup of trail mix and still not be full. So fats have their place, both the the health benefits, but also they can be very beneficial when we struggle to get enough calories in our day. So It's not a bad thing that there's nine calories per gram, but it's something that we have to mention because sometimes people are confused as to why they're not losing weight. 
And when we point out all the fats in their diet, I'm like, hey, Susan, this is why. Look at all these fats that are adding up. And if we're not measuring them, that's where things can be extra dangerous, like things like oil and cheese and nut butter. I'm not saying you have to measure your peanut butter before you put on your toast, but I'm saying let's be aware that foods that are fats add up quickly. And healthy does not mean low fat. For example, avocados are one, I would say probably top five world's healthiest foods. Would you agree, Sam? Avocados for the win? For sure. 20 vitamins and minerals in avocados. It's also a part of our logo. So obviously we're team avocado. (laughs) But just because something is healthy, that doesn't mean it's low calorie. And I've said this so many times. Healthy does not mean low calorie. Yes, walnuts are healthy. Avocados are healthy. Salmon is healthy. But too much of a good thing is never a good thing. And if you're trying to manage your weight, let's be aware that these healthy fats add up. We cannot be consuming four cups of guacamole in a fat loss phase. That's going to add up real quick. When avocado had its moment there a couple years ago, when avocado toast became really popular, I found I was having this conversation with clients really frequently because they were like, oh, I didn't realize avocado was so good for me. So they were eating a whole avocado at a meal and saying, but it's healthy for me. And yes, it provides a ton of vitamins and minerals. That doesn't mean it's a low calorie food. So this isn't us saying, don't eat the avocado. We just talked about how important it is to do so. But maybe you eat a quarter of the avocado or half the avocado, depending on what the rest of your meal looks like to make your avocado toast. I love the example of going out to a restaurant and saying, well, I got the avocado toast. And I'm like, I'm sorry, friend, but they put at least a whole avocado on your avocado toast. So it's not, you didn't choose the lower calorie option if that's what you were striving for. And it doesn't mean you can't choose that option. Again, going back to just creating awareness around these foods to help you identify what's the best option for you based on what your current goals are. Exactly. I think the main point that we keep circling back to is let's be aware that things that are fats or that contain fats are going to have more calories because fats are calorie dense. Let's move on to how much fat should we be eating? Now, obviously, every nutrition question, the answer is it depends, but let's give our listeners a general recommendation. Yeah, so generally it can range anywhere from 20 to 35% of your total calories. I often fall somewhere right in the middle with my clients at around 30% because I find that it gives them enough wiggle room to use fats within their diet, but not in a way that they feel like, oh my gosh, I have to cut everything out. So I find I fall right in the middle with them. And this is also, again, going back to it depends. If my client has a preference of higher fat versus carb, then we might uh, move that percentage a little bit based on what whatever they prefer. I am like a carb girl. So I would 
rather a little bit of a lower percentage of fat and a little bit of higher of carb other than peanut butter. I think you're the opposite where you like your fats a little bit more and you'd like your carbohydrate um, a little bit lower. So it's all individual, but within that range, you know, no one's ever going to, we're never going to recommend somebody's fat intake be 50% of their total calories. Yeah. I'm all about the fats. Well, pre-pregnancy, I was like, give me all the fats, like perfect bars, peanut butter, avocados, like mixed nuts, give me all the fats. But since being pregnant, team carb all the way, baby loves carbs. So now I'm living on like bagels and all these things. And the things that are high fat, they just don't sound good anymore, which makes sense because I'm growing a human that requires energy. Carbs, you know, is the preferred energy source. So I'm not surprised that, you know, my body has shifted to more of like, give me all the carbs. But yeah, like you said, the answer is it depends, but we typically want to stay in that 20 to 35% of total calories. What does that look like in grams? If you're like, what is the percentage? Because we actually don't really do percentages. We calculate things on body weight and grams. So if you're eating 2000 calories, 20 to 35% fat is about 45 to 75 grams. For most of our clients, we want them at least at 50 grams of fat to support hormonal balance, which you mentioned as one of the benefits to eating fats. Yep, absolutely. I very rarely ever recommend anything under 50 grams of fat. And if you're working with a coach, they're going to do all of this for you. So if this sounds confusing to you, you don't have to worry about any of this. But if you're just kind of curious, these are some good guidelines for you to utilize. Yes, we do. We do the thinking. They just put in the work. Now let's talk about, let's come back and we're going to finish with the question you've all been rating for, which at this point you may have answered it yourself. Does eating fat make you fat? But instead of answering that specific question, we're going to answer Sam's client's question, which is why we're here in the first place. So was it about a month ago, Sam, your client messaged you in the app and said, something about fat. And then you shared it with the team. And I said, this needs to be a podcast episode on fats, because that question made me so sad. So share what she asked and what you said in return. Yeah, so less of a question, more of a statement from a previous diet she was on. But we this client in particular, we're really undoing um, an unhealthy relationship with food for her. So a lot of what we talked about throughout this whole podcast is things that I've talked with her a lot about how fat, you know, is so beneficial for us and what it does. And she had a hard time coming to terms with that because she was in another program of sorts. And one of their like mantras was the fat you eat is the fat you wear. And they would say that multiple times. So she is having to uncondition that phrase over and over again, every time I challenge her to eat a new type of fat in her, in her diet. So it was heartbreaking. I had never heard of it before. You know, as dietitians, we feel like we know every diet out there and then somebody springs a new one on us. And just the fact that that was their like running logo and mantra that they were giving out to their clients is, is really, really sad to hear. But that's why we're here. We're undoing this. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a low fat cult or something. 
It was like a whole 30 vegan raw food type, like, and like you said, they, that happens, you know, when, when you truly believe in something, then, then they do, I don't know, they give that out to the world, but unfortunately it's just not true. Yeah. The fat you eat is not the fat you wear. And I think that that's what a lot of the youth athletes that I speak with, like to them, it's just like, it's very black and white, like, oh, fat equals fat. If you eat fat, you're going to be fat. But the thing is, is that eating fat does not make you fat, nor does eating carbs. One Eating one specific food group does not make you fat. Sam, what makes people fat? What What increases body fat in people? The only way to truly gain adipose tissue, which is the fat on your body, is to be in a calorie surplus. So eating more calories in the day than you are burning consistently, right? It's not just one day of of accidentally eating more than you're burning that's going to make you gain weight. It's a consistent calorie surplus over time. And... Again, it depends because you can be in a calorie surplus and not gain an excessive amount of body fat if you're doing a lot of other things right. For example, if you're in a slight calorie surplus, let's say about 10%, you're strength training consistently, so you're doing progressive overload, you're eating adequate protein, guess what? The scale's probably going to go up you're building muscle. You will probably gain way more muscle than fat. Oftentimes there is a little bit of fat gain when we're bulking, aka in a muscle building phase. But if you're strength training, eating adequate protein, you're getting enough sleep, you're managing stress, and you're in a slight surplus, you're probably not going to quote unquote get fat. You're probably going to get muscular. I think what we need to do is just change the language. Like the macronutrients are carbs, proteins, fats, and then like using adipose tissue only as our, as our language for what, what we have on our body. Because I think that's, you know, it's for a teenager, it only makes sense that fat makes you fat, right? Like how there's no other logic there unless you have the, the knowledge. So I think maybe just, we got to recreate the language. Yes, because we're using the same word and it's it's not the same. Fat is not in the different contexts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eating an avocado is not the same as, you know, adipose tissue. Right. <laughs> so, in summary, fats are not the enemy. Fats are delicious. Fat equals flavor. There is no reason to fear fat. We just need to be aware that fats are calorically dense. They have more than twice the calories per gram compared to fats and proteins. So we just have to be aware of our portions and how much we're eating. We want to focus on those omega-3 fats as much as possible. Fatty fish, walnuts, flaxseed. If you hate all those things and you're not going to eat fish, probably want to consider a fish oil supplement or an omega-3 supplement. Definitely talk to your doctor about this, especially if you're on some medications. Uh, One of my favorite brands, just because we're on here for omega-3s, is Nordic Naturals. I feel like that's a brand that you can find in pharmacies and online. 
there are some other brands, but I feel like people benefit from something they can like see in a store. And I feel like that's a pretty, pretty good recommendation that you can just like walk into a CVS and likely find. But at the end of the day, the fat you eat is not the fat you wear. Fat does not make you fat. Being in a calorie surplus can cause weight gain. It can but only if consistently and if you're not doing all the other things right. So have no fear, everybody. You can have an avocado without without fear. Avocados are your friend. Fats are your friend. And fats are delicious. Just don't eat the whole jar of peanut butter. Nobody needs half a cup on a piece of toast. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the channel and share with one friend who would benefit from this message. Need help with your nutrition? Find me on Instagram at DannyVRD or visit our website, pivotnutritioncoaching.com. Thanks for listening.